Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to marketing strategies to regulatory pressures. At IFT earlier this month, Banana Foster's flavor was everywhere. It was on popcorn, in cookies, even in coffee. But according to the ingredient company Virginia Dare, its star power status at the show wasn't just because it's a traditional dish of the conference's host city of New Orleans. Rather, Philip Caputo, the marketing and insights manager for Virginia Dare, boldly declared at IFT that if he had to pick one big new flavor trend to watch in 2019, it would be banana. We're seeing banana in a lot of products. I mean, banana milk is... It's kind of starting to emerge here and there. Uh, banana profiles, caramelized banana, banana foster, um, chocolate pairings, hazelnut and banana. It's just kind of just coming. It's just coming around. So, by observation, banana is a big one. But banana isn't the only emerging flavor captivating manufacturers and consumers in the food and beverage industry. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. Caputo and others, including corporate chefs from the ingredient companies Mizcan and Asensia, share what flavors and cuisines are beginning to captivate restaurant goers and influence retail innovations. They also share which current trends are sticking around and which ones are starting to fade. So beyond banana, Virginia Dares Caputo says that elevated twists on nostalgic flavors associated with childhood are starting to creep into distinctly adult products. So we actually have a lot of requests for cereal milk flavors, cereal milk ice cream. So you know the milk that's left over from cereal? So we've actually developed an entire line of that uh, for sports nutrition and ice creams and other type of milks. And it's adults wanting to remain children because why give up our childhood? And there's a big... There's just been a big uptick in those kind of kitty flavors for adults. You translate them into a cocktail. So that's it's something that's been around for a while, and this is just like the next, you know, next movement on it. Elevating the classic flavors, we're elevating our childhood flavors by making them adult or making them premium in some one way or another. So if we have a customer that has vanilla like in their line already, we'll say, okay, we'll elevate your vanilla because it's already your top-selling flavor. So add the spice buns to it. Add a banana foster, add, add like brown butter, like characterizing flavors to it. Elevate what everybody loves, whether it's from their childhood or nostalgic. A perhaps unexpected flavor that's hitching a ride on America's ongoing nostalgic kick is bitters. In particular, Angostura bitters, according to Mizkin's executive director of sales and marketing, Dave Sackett. Where Angostura is really taking off, though, is. Um, just the food service channel in general. Um, our food service division that distributes Angostura bitters, sales have been up over 20% now for five straight years. It's crazy. Uh, a, a lot of it is because the uh, of uh, the craft uh, cocktails are coming back. You know, your Rob Roy's, your Manhattan's. Um, yes, it's all coming back. We, we call it the Mad Men effect. You know, the series Mad Men was such a hit on cable. And and uh, you know they had their uh, uh, you know their 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 lunches you know with their their Manhattan lunches and such, and it has really came back. And uh, our Angostura sales are just through the roof from the food service side, and it's starting to translate into the food manufacturing side, our side of the business on the food ingredients. 
we, we, we pack that bottle in a 55-gallon drum, you know. A lot of it does go to cocktail mix companies on the beverage side of our business, uh, but, but you are seeing some savory applications as well. Another flavor trend that's, quote, growing up and starting to take off is an adult version of sour. So we're not talking about the shocking mouth-puckering sour of our iconic childhood confections like tearjerkers. Rather, Dax Schaefer, who's the corporate executive chef and director of the culinary innovations at Essencia, says, we're seeing the rise of the ton-tingling sour of kombucha and fermented foods, as well as the balancing sour that helps makes otherwise sweet dishes savory. Sour is so important. What a lot of people don't realize is, you know, it's balancing the flavors. I'm going to go back to the Asian one for a second. So when you hear about Thai food and why people love Thai food, you know, we love it. We don't really know the names of the dishes, but we love Thai food. And the reason is, is they balance their flavors. So bringing that back to sour, sour is not going to go away. We're understanding that if you put sour with sweet, it provides this amazing flavor profile. If you put sour with salty, the balance of these flavors is really ultimately what drives the taste buds and what makes us, um, you know, really get excited about a dish. So I don't see that going away at all. In fact, I see it probably becoming more um, used a little bit heavier in some of the profiles. I think you also are talking about pickles. A lot of fermentation has been kind of coming around as well. I see that kind of growing. I see lots of people starting to get more into um, kombucha. I think I might have said that wrong. You know, I'm not the person you go to for pronunciation. And then uh, kimchi is going to be incredibly popular. And, and, you know, in America, we think kimchi is just Napa cabbage chopped up and mixed up with some of these flavor profiles. It is a lifestyle for creams. It's their national dish. And they have very, very many options. And... Um, in different recipes, as many recipes as there are probably chili recipes in this country. Another driver of sour is America's growing excitement for the tang of vinegar. According to Mizcan corporate chef Juliet Green, apple cider vinegar in particular is going mainstream. And as it does, it's opening the cupboard door for other less familiar vinegars. People really do know apple cider vinegar and you're seeing, um, ACV on menus, kind of like, you know, EVOO. And I think it really just goes to show that that is becoming um, mainstream. We've had people come up and say, my six-year-old daughter loves vinegar, you know, and that would not be, you know, she puts in her water every day. You wouldn't see that. And that, that trend and importance of gut health and the health and the organic aspect of it with apple cider vinegar and that flavor that apple cider vinegar um, provides people are really familiar with. Then you do, you, you venture into um, the organic red wine vinegars, the organic rice wine vinegars, and what can those do? And I think if you're using them in cooking or in beverages, it's it's looking at, you know, rice wine vinegar has a, a different brightness. Um, I, you know, these are sort of my descriptions, but apple cider vinegar, it's, it's earthy, but it's like got a little a tang of sweetness red wine vinegar it's still mellow but it can go um this shrub actually would be very good too with a red wine vinegar with the berries and and sort of all of those flavors so i do think we'll see some of that um not a nutritionist dietitian so don't want to um kind of say whether whether the benefits are equal to um but i think what they can deliver on flavor and you know, variation. And I think people are going to still want that. 
As Green hinted at with her reference to apple cider vinegar and gut health, functionality is a big motivator for consumers, and this is paving the way for more botanicals in foods and beverages, even if it's just for the flavor and not an actual health benefit, as Virginia Dares Caputo notes. Uh, and something we're debuting at the show uh, is our new line of botanical extracts. Uh, we, we're increasing our library. Uh, we have a lot of customers that want to go clean label without flavors. So extracts is the next viable option. So uh, for these tea lattes, we, like I said, we included oat milk, natural tea, and botanical extracts. It's clean label. And these are meant to be RTDs. So think of like the Starbucks Frappuccino, the bottled line. Well, this is the tea latte version of it. Okay. And we used vanilla lavender extract in one concept and then a London Fog concept, which is similar to this, but has the addition of bergamot oil and an Earl Grey tea extract profile. Uh, so we came out with an entire line. We're still, yeah, no, yeah, we're still, uh, we're still getting our library together. Um, some are going to be organic certifiable, so we're still working on that. Um, we just wanted to launch the concepts, like the concept of an oat milk latte, uh, an RCD latte, and then with some of these trendy like profiles. Um, florals. I'm sure you've heard that like florals are pretty big. People are actually liking these uh, teas and botanicals and various products, uh, and so we just thought it would fit really well in a latte. Um, and we haven't seen many tea lattes out there. The whole tea house concept hasn't worked like the coffee house concept has. But now that florals are kind of coming into play, we're seeing more interest in it. And we wanted to try something different, and it just turned out really well. And there, there are a lot of tea drinkers. And then the oat milk just is, is brilliant. I mean, all these flavors have been formulated to work with dairy also, but they work great enough. People like the characterizing flavors of botanical. And that could be anything. I mean, like a chamomile tea. Just these different floral types. It's just new. It's like spice. It's like the heat plus sweet a couple years back, which is still on trend. So this is like a next variation that I guess like, hey, uh, just another pairing. So floral plus sweet, floral plus spicy. Then there is the functionality portion of it. So we're not doing functional uh, botanical extracts. Ours are strictly flavored, uh, but then there's the functionality portion. Okay, chamomile helps to sleep, but it can be used in a beverage. I mean, basically what teas have always been used for. Well, the lattes that Virginia Dare showcased at IFT were really a vehicle for showing off its flavors and botanicals. It is worth noting that lattes are gaining traction beyond coffee houses. A quick search on Pinterest or Instagram will uncover dozens of different types of lattes, some tea-based, but many also featuring floral flavors and earthier warming spices. So while zeroing in on specific flavor profiles is a useful exercise when thinking through new product development, ingredients don't exist in a vacuum, and many of the flavors mentioned here are either getting a boost from or helping to draw awareness to specific global cuisines. As regular listeners may recall, a few weeks ago, Simrise predicted that acceptable Asian is a trend to watch in 2019 and beyond. And Asensa's Schaefer echoed this at IFT. It really has uh, sustained with a lot of the Asian uh, flavor profiles, so that has still stuck around for the last couple of years, and I see that staying around for probably the next 5 to 10. It's going to be a little bit like how Mexican was 20 years ago where 20 years ago we thought a taco was ground beef, a hard taco shell, cheddar cheese, lettuce, and tomato. And now we look at barbacoa and crunchy tomatoes and everything. Asian's a lot like that right now. We're in the very early stages of Asian cuisine. So, I mean, you look at something like Korean barbecue that a lot of people know and love. That's really bulgogi. 
So, you know, but we couldn't call it bagogi. And there's a lot of other things like yakunuku, which is a Japanese version of uh, their barbecue, <laughs> and things like that that are going to continue to grow. And as we understand more and more, we'll, we'll see them, like, uh, dive a little deeper as far as the flavor profiles that, are, that become available to Americans. We initially were familiar with Chinese and then a little bit of Japanese with sushi and that type of stuff. We've gone a little bit deeper with ramen. But I think what you're going to see now is going into the Korean area. So not, and that goes beyond Korean barbecue. You're going to start to see, like, gochujang uh, become a main flavor profile. I think gochujang was produced, it's a spicy fermented hot pepper paste. And um, they predicted that to be the next sriracha about five, ten years ago. It probably won't be, but it has such deep flavor profiles that you're going you're gonna to see kind of in conjunction with other flavors um, being used to promote Korean flavor profiles. As America becomes more sophisticated in its approach to, quote, Asian cuisine, Schaefer predicts we will see more traditional Thai, Vietnamese, and Korean dishes and flavors gain acceptance in America. Another one that's coming up recently or soon would be Korean and then Thai. They're going to end Vietnamese. Those are the three Asian areas profiles that I'd be watching very, very closely. When I look at Korean, I see like a lot of um, indicators that it's going to get bigger. Like one of my biggest indicators I watch for is fast food or quick service restaurants that start to pop up. Um, when the, you start to see those pop up, they become educators for the consumer, right? And you're seeing a lot of Korean fast food places come up around now. Usually they're kind of centered around the Korean uh, chicken wing. But you're seeing some Korean barbecue ones. So I think that one's going to be a perf or a cuisine that's going to become very popular sooner rather than later. In a completely different direction, Schaefer also predicts that Middle Eastern food will soon hit its stride in the U.S. I'm watching the Middle Eastern come through. Um, what you're starting to see some spice blends pop up, like Zatar, fantastic flavor pro- profile with the sumac flour in there. Um, I'm starting to see some other different blends and sauces come through in the Middle East, and that, that's exciting for me. That's, that's what I'm watching right now. This is just a small sampling of the many flavors and culinary innovations presented at IFT, but it is all that we have time for today. So I hope you'll join me again next week for another installment of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. And to ensure that you remember, I encourage you to subscribe to us on iTunes. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive and profitable week.